So lots of grace. <laughs> and we're really excited. So yes. It's, it's just been kind of fun to uh, get together and prepare for today. And um, so I wanted to just say uh, who we are and what we're about. My name's Chad. This is Christy Reisner. And uh, we've been uh, a part of Christ Fellowship since 1998. And that seems like a really long time ago. <laughs> today. Um, and then we were blessed to come on staff in 2003. And um, it's just, it's been awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Our lives have been utterly and completely changed yes. and transformed because of so many of you guys and the community that we get to have here at Crest Fellowship. Yes. And we have three beautiful children. Our oldest is Austin, and he's 13. And we have a daughter, Annie, who is 8. And our youngest is Abigail, and she is 5. And we really count it a privilege and an honor to get to be these guys' parents. We have a lot of fun together. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. So the way this is going to work, uh, I think, is uh, we're just going to kind of pack in pick some different uh, opportunities to break into each other's hearts and uh, just kind of share what's in our hearts there. And we're glad because we get to continue the series we've been in called Fresh Hope. And uh, Jamie and Brian uh, have come before us. And the idea, guys, is that as we're kind of coming to the end of the summer, getting ready to go to uh, a new season, you know, school's getting started, uh, kind of the wheels of motion begin to churn again. Uh, that there is hope in our hearts uh, for the days ahead. That God is able and He is doing way more than we're aware of. And that we get to join with Him in that. Um, so today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. So if you would turn there, get there with your device, I'm going to read through it and pray for us, and we'll get started. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given. Let's pray. Lord, I pray today that as we turn to Your Word, the Scriptures, that we would see Jesus. I pray that we would be lifted from uh, our current state into the heavenly realms, that our eyes would be fixed upon You. I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, speak to our minds today, where we need the truth of your word to confront where our minds may be. And I pray that, Lord, we would engage with you and what you're doing to call out and create a people Mm -hmm. of God. That you are wanting to put on display the power of your work in Christ through regular ordinary people. And I thank you that you have called us together today. We pray for encouragement. We pray for the truth 
And we pray that you would be with us as we look into this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to do the sermon and a sentence. And I have, in Jesus, hope grows from seeing we are being made like Christ as we persevere through life's hardships. You know, don't you just love uh, getting started on a sermon when there's a lot of words about suffering? <laughs> I've used the word hardship quite a bit. Um, and I want to encourage you that it is the, the human condition. It's where we all find ourselves. We're going to jump into that. But today, I want you to be able to look around and know that the people on your left, the people on your right, the people before you and behind you, they're all in the same boat. We all are living this life now and wondering if tomorrow is going to be a better day. As we look in verse 1, um, you know, I was telling Christy, I think I say this every time I preach, this is my favorite verse in the Bible. And I remember when this verse came alive to me. And it, it changed my mind. It, it, it radically affected me. So let's look at it. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I had a Bible teacher one time, and he said, Whenever there's a therefore, you need to go and find out what it's there for. Okay? <laughs> it speaks to the passage beforehand. And in that, Paul has been really trying to get a hold of the attention of his readers, and most likely Jews, and saying, uh, Abraham, the father of their faith, the father uh, of, of all of their belief system, that he was not justified by what he did, but by faith in what God was doing. Amen. That's the entire work that he was trying to get across. And when I use the word justified, we don't use that a whole lot. I think there's a TV show about it right now. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but justified, if you can remember this, is justified, never sin. Justified, never sin. That's what being justified in Christ is all about. It is the removal of sin and our unrighteousness. I can say it this way, that we are made right with God. That we're good. You know, he and I, we're good now because of what Jesus has done. And that gets me to the part that I really like. And that is that we have peace with God through Christ. When I read that, and the, the, the blinders of my eyes were open, it blew me away. We have peace with God. There is no other philosophy. There is no other religion that declares this truth. Amen. That because of what Christ has done, someone else has done, we now have peace with God. I won't name them off, but there's a lot of them that list a lot of things that you can do in hope that you will have peace with God. But this declares that we now own that peace. We have it if we're in Jesus Christ. You know, I was waiting tables when I read this. And I remember thinking how weird it would be at the time that if somebody paid their bill, let's say someone paid their bill for somebody else. Has that ever happened to you? Because it's awesome. I'll tell you, if you want to get a hold of somebody's attention, pay their bill at Applebee's or something. 
they'll be like, whoa, that is awesome. But can you imagine if you paid the bill and you came back the next day to pay the bill again? If you went and you found the manager and you said, hey, I think my server, his name was Chad, he's kind of a short, kind of stocky guy, and, and he dropped the drinks a lot, that's kind of what he did. But I need to pay the bill. And you're like, oh, did you forget? You didn't have money? He goes, no, 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 I took care of it yesterday. But today, I need to pay the bill. And the manager would go, uh, did you get it again? Did you get more food today? He goes, no, I just need to pay again. And let's say that you got into the habit of going back to the restaurant every single day. Every time you had the thought about food, that you needed to go pay the bill again. And that's ludicrous. And that's exactly what the Bible is trying to get across to us through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That he paid the bill. Amen. He paid the bill and you owe nothing. You owe nothing on your bill. That Jesus has made peace with God. I pray that this verse would blow your hair back. I pray that you would look into it and that, the, that Jesus would become more and more alive. If you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't know. I don't see what this guy's talking about. Then I pray that you'd be bothered by it. Mm-hmm. And that you would deeply look into it and let Christ affect you. Uh, with his peace. Again, the bill is satisfied and you don't have to pay it anymore. Amen. Paul continues with that thought in verse 2. Verse 2 says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And friends, this specific verse is speaking about intimacy intimacy between God and his people that was reconciled and restored through Jesus Christ. When Adam and Eve disobeyed and sin entered the world, life became hard and all of creation was exposed to pain and suffering and hardship. And the intimacy that Adam and Eve had enjoyed with the Father as they walked in the garden, naked and unashamed, was broken and severed and it was no longer the same. And we read through the Old Testament how the Father called out a people unto himself and he made a covenant with them. He gave the law to govern them and he gave instructions on building a tabernacle in which he would dwell in the most holy place, the holy of holies. And he did this because he longed to be with his people. But in the holy of holies, it was separated off from the rest of the tabernacle by a four-inch thick veil. And we read in the Old Testament how the priests were the only ones that were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, but they could only do it on specific designated days, and there was a lengthy, uh, detailed process of cleansing and purification and having sacrifices made for their atonement so that when they entered, their sin was atoned for. And I believe that God grieved that loss of intimacy that he shared with Adam and Eve. And he had a plan for reconciliation and restoration over all that was marred by sin. And he spoke this into the heart of King David on occasion. And again, into the heart and mind of the prophet Isaiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Holy One, the uh, the. the 
Counselor, the Great I Am, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, the Son of God, entered into our humanity and he experienced the pain and harshness of this world ravaged by sin. And he accomplished the impossible through his birth, his life, and his death. He accomplished the impossible. Sin and death were defeated. Satan was vanquished. And the veil was torn that was separating us from the Father. No longer did we have to hope that we could enter into the presence of God. No longer did it only have to be priests. Jesus made things right. It was a once and done thing. We now, through the blood of Jesus, are atoned for, and we now get to experience and walk in the intimacy that had been broken and changed when sin entered. Jesus obliterated every roadblock between us and the Father. And friends, in this verse in Romans, Paul encourages us again, as he does throughout the book of Romans, that it is by faith and not by works of righteousness. I cannot be smart enough. I cannot be rich enough. There is not enough good works that I can do to gain access. It is by faith and faith alone that we have access into this grace in which we now stand. And friends, we rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And this hope that this verse is speaking about, it is not a wishful thought or a a chance. This is a biblical hope. And as Chad and I prepared for this morning, we wanted to come up with some uh, practical thoughts on, to give a contrast between worldly hope and biblical hope. And Chad's going to share a little bit on that. All right, so... You know, we, today is, uh, the, this weekend is Labor Day, it's a holiday, um, and I think it's also, you know, becoming a new kind of holiday, it is football kickoff weekend, <laughs> and, um, you know, there's many of us that, that look forward to today and, and this weekend because of that, and so I was talking to Christy about, you know, how do we get across this idea of a worldly hope that's wishful and paper thin, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, well, I'm a cowboy fan. I can share about wishful thinking. We get together and we're going, come on, this is going to be our year. This is going to be it. And we sure hope that this is going to, that somebody's going to do something different than they've done all the years that we can remember behind us. But guys, that's not based on anything. They didn't do anything that gives us a great hope about that. As we watched the pregame, we weren't not that excited. Or the preseason games, we weren't that hopeful anymore. Because worldly hope is a wish. Mm-hmm. It, it's a dream. It's a myth. It uh, many times is only uh, to get us through a difficult situation. And you know what comes with wishful thinking? It's disappointment. Mm-hmm. Because as a Cowboy fan, we've been very disappointed. And in contrast, biblical hope is based upon a promise. There is an assurance that comes with biblical hope. It contains substance. And uh, as, like we said, we were trying to come up with a, a tangible picture. And what we thought of was, if I found a gift on Amazon, 
and I wanted to purchase it. And I looked at the, the vendor, and it had excellent success rate, um, excellent reviews on delivery. And so I made the purchase. I paid for it, and I received a tracking number. I received an email receipt. That is a better picture of what biblical hope is. I have an assurance of that gift coming. I may not have it in the mail, but I have an assurance of its arrival. And that is what biblical hope is. And in this verse, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope is based on the very words of Jesus. I'm going to prepare a place for you. My father's house, my father's house has many rooms. In this life, uh, because I live, you also will live. Those are the words of Jesus. That is the promise. And because of that, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen. Okay. Um, so on your fill in, that's worldly hope versus biblical hope. I'm going to look into verse 3. It says, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And the reality is nobody likes to suffer. Um, It's weird if you like to suffer. Um, They actually, there's mental disease that's related to that. Um, None of us sign up for, hey, where's the suffering train? Let's get on that one, you know? That's not how it works. And and I think that's, that's right. That's as it should be. We're a human, and we're used to this. We encounter hardships in life. But all the things that we were preaching at the beginning about what Christ has done, the access that we've been given, the peace that we have with God, we are now saved. Mm-hmm. And we are the people of God, called out of the world to be something different. We have an assurance of that salvation in Jesus Christ. And as those same people, we realize that suffering and hardship has a purpose. We, we have this renewed idea about what's going on with life. We understand that um, it's not for no reason that we endure something or that we're going through something. That these hardships, these trials, these difficulties, this traffic perhaps, is working in our hearts a spirit of perseverance. Maybe it's something more tangible that we have to overcome. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is a fruit of the Spirit, and we call it patience. The old word was long-suffering. And the idea is that the Spirit of God is making us alive that we can endure and go through it by His Spirit. Not in our strength, but by His Spirit. Um, We don't merely endure a trial, but we can be thankful with this mindset and joyful because we know that there's there's something going on. We're not trying to gain in our relationship with Christ, but we're growing up into maturity. We work uh, developing a mindset that doesn't give up. It doesn't quit. It gives God an opportunity that we never, ever surrender. I want to take just a second and share with you some of my struggles related to persevering and what I've learned through those struggles. Um, 
When I am feeling pressed in on all sides or I'm walking through something difficult and challenging, I confess to you that my first inclination is to abandon ship, to find the easy way out. And I have had to learn the habit of persevering or the spiritual discipline, if you will, of persevering because I've discovered through life that God is after something in my heart when I'm walking through trials and my tendency to abandon ship or go, can I wiggle out of that? That is not feeling good. When I do that, I miss out on what God has for me. And typically it may not be the same circumstance, but I'm going to come full circle and I'll find myself in a position again where God is after something because he is faithful to complete a good work in us. And so I have had to learn this habit of persevering. And I want to encourage you this morning that that is not the American motto of just grin and bear it. That motto is void of the power of God, and he is not asking us to do anything in our own strength. And as I have been trying to grow and learn, Father, what does it look like to persevere? What he has shown me is that it is because of this intimacy, this access that I have to him by faith, that it is a turning as quickly as I can and running headlong into his throne room and planting myself at his feet and fixing my eyes on him and saying, Father, how do you want me to respond in this way? How do you want me to respond in this situation? And I confess, I am very real with the Lord. I am very real. Whether it is I'm in a difficult day where I'm feeling pressed in by all the expectations of the roles that I'm walking in as wife and mother and daughter and friend, and I just, I want to escape into a good book, or I'm walking through something very, very painful. No matter what it is, I am real with the Lord about what I'm feeling, but I've had to learn to say, what are you after in my heart in this situation, and how do you want me to respond? And as I've done that, he has given me the grace to, as Chad said, endure and walk through that long suffering. And it's helped me to have a big picture perspective of what God is after in these times. Amen. Yeah. I think we can pretty much all relate to that. I definitely uh, like the easy way out at times. I like It was about 
God having a people that spend time together and enjoy the life that he has provided. Go back and read Genesis and see if a BMW or the next model of car was coming out in day five or six that they were God. You know, that was not his mindset for giving us all that we need. And I want to encourage us that when we are growing up and we're being encouraged to grab the brass ring, to go for it, is that the voice of the Spirit of the living God? Or is that the voice of brokenness and, and trying to fill voids in our lives with something that, that God never meant for us to pursue in that way? Hmm. All right. So what is this outcome? I want to tell you that it is Christ being formed in us. The scriptures call it character. And it is the very being, the nature of Jesus that comes alive inside of us. The, the, the work of uh, the sculptor is, is kind of what I got to thinking about on this. See, a sculptor comes to a big stone rock, and it's ugly, and it has nothing of value to it. And he looks at it, and he begins to work on it. Now, think about that if you are the stone. He sticks a very sharp instrument against you and begins to beat on it with a hammer. You know, how would that feel if you were the stone? You know, you know, I watch Disney movies and personify everything through them, but if God is working on us through trials and hardships, at times it may not feel comfortable. It may not feel delicate. But the master sculptor knows exactly where he needs to put his, his uh, chisel in. He knows at what angle, and he knows at what pressure he has to hit it with the hammer. And if you talk to a sculptor, he says, the work that I do, because I've got a buddy that does this, he says the work that he does is he removes everything that is keeping us from seeing the beauty of the work of art. His job is to remove what we, what is keeping us from seeing that beauty. And that's what Christ is doing in us, that there is this Christ-likeness that is coming out in us. And it is beautiful. I want you to think of character being formed this way as, as something worth value, a commodity. Something that we cannot give up. And that we will fight for. Because when we endure hardship, that is what's going on. We are pressing in for something that is worth eternal value. It's not just for a momentary deal. It is for longevity. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says that we are being transformed into his likeness. And that character of Christ's likeness in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds, whereby we find that we're not only being transformed, but we are being renewed. We are becoming a new creation. And there's something awesome, spectacular, brand new that God is doing in each and every one of your lives. Amen. That he is bringing forth his life in you in a way that's never been seen before. You are unique mm -hmm. and individual in Christ because he is making this beautiful picture of all of us mm -hmm. together. Amen. Call a community, a people of 
God that reflect every aspect of his being. And it says in the scriptures that that being is unsearchable. It's so deep. It's, it's bottomless pit. And we, each one of us, get to represent all kinds of different aspects of that. Character is the Christ-likeness being formed in us. And from this expectation, our hope springs forward into what God is doing. <laughs> that we are not the same when we look upon the hardships of life that we face because it brings joy. Because we see that the thing that we want to happen, we want to grow up into Christ, that it is happening when we go through that hardship. So when we get uh, confronted with something, we go, oh, wait a second, God's at work here. You know, He loves me. He cares about me. There's no question about that. This isn't about my relationship to Him. He's not angry with me. He is not judging me because of something I've done. Can we please believe that? Can we please stop looking at everything that we go through as, oh, God must be getting me back for that thought that I had a moment ago. Or God must be getting back at me because of the, the, the I don't measure up. I just can't ever get it right. And I want to dispel the rumor and break away the myth the lies that entangle us and say the truth of God is He has made a way for us to be with Him and now He wants to do something awesome. So let's work together with Him on that. Amen. Amen. Verse 5 ends with, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And much like a man gives a woman an engagement ring as a promise of his love in the marriage to come, God gave us as believers in Christ the Holy Spirit as a promise of the things to come. 1 Corinthians says the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing the things to come. The wedding between us the bride of Christ, and Jesus, the bridegroom. A man picks his bride and gives her a ring, signifying she is spoken for, she is promised to someone. In the same way, Christ gave us the Holy Spirit and poured out his love into our hearts. His hope is in us. Amen. You know, this hope... This cycle that goes on, it builds hope mm-hmm. and does not disappoint. This hope, it's a biblical hope based on Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, has bought, has brought peace with God to our lives. That we are not having to live to gain access or acceptance. We are His by faith. Amen. This hope that is accomplishing the transformation of our lives into the beautiful, stunning work of art that is Christ alive in us. This hope, not based on our wish for a better day, but that God is for us and is working His purpose and His plan through our lives, this hope does not disappoint, but causes us to give glory to God. That is what God is trying to get our attention to Christ. That we are not uh, left here alone. 
by ourselves, cast adrift, but that he is working a purpose and plan. I don't know when he's going to bring it to completion, but that is the promise of Philippians 1.6, that he will complete the work that he started in us. Amen. You know, as we've prepared, we've seen our our deep lack and, and how much we don't do this. And I'm going to pray for us that we would step into that uh, that truth. But I want to say that the expectation is not perfection. You know, when you go out to practice something, you know, you don't get it right the first time. You drop a pass. You miss a shot. You, you might be playing along with the instrument, and you, you hit the wrong note. And that's okay. Because... We are practicing life. We are learning how to do this thing mm-hmm. called life. And, you know, Christy and I, when we said, hey, what if we did this thing together? We were praying, and the picture that we got was uh, of, a, of a dance. Mm-hmm. And our hope was that we could have this graceful kind of dance. And it took a lot of practice. And I still feel like I'm stepping on her toes <laughs> a little bit. But that's a lot like life. Mm-hmm. That when we get with God... Through Christ, we are entering the dance. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes we might step on his feet. But that's okay. He doesn't mind because he just enjoys Amen. the dance. Yeah. He wants to be with us on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. He wants to be there having a good time. Mm-hmm. So let me, uh, let me pray for us. Lord, I, I thank you for what you are doing in each of our lives. I thank you that you cause us to reflect your Son in stunning and amazing ways. I pray today for anyone that has struggled with their peace with you, that has struggled with that idea of earning a place with you or living a life that is good enough to get in, that there's some question is. Am I doing enough? I pray that today that you would break that off and that you would give us the grace to enter into this awesome relationship with you by Jesus Christ. I pray that, Lord, you would impact our hearts as you are calling us to respond to you. I pray that uh, you would use these scriptures to let Jesus come alive in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, if I could have everyone stand up. And I want to invite you guys, go ahead, come on up, band, and ministry team, if you could come forward. But I want to invite everyone to respond to the Lord right now. We dim the lights, and it kind of gets super spiritual feeling sometimes, (laughs) and you don't want to mess this up. But I want to encourage you guys that, that God is at work. He is, he is talking to each one of you guys by His Spirit. And I don't know all that He's saying. But what we want to do is play a song and let you guys interact with the Lord right where you're at. We have people up here at the front that are just like you, just like me, that they need this Word as much as anyone. And they have taken some time today and they'll pray with you. Not because they have it all figured out, but because they know exactly what it's like to need to call on God. And so I've got a couple of questions that might help us process this. 
Think about that promise that God wants to bring His work to completion in you. And maybe you've been living with a wishful thinking attitude and uh, you've been abandoning ship and seeking an easy way out. Then I want to encourage you today that like Christy and I have found that the answer is to respond to the Lord, to, to go and turn around from the way that I was living. You know, the Bible word on that is repentance. It's where we recognize, hey, I'm going down the wrong way. And I've got this wishful thought that today's going to be better. You can change all that and start trusting in the Lord's work in our lives and asking Him, like Christy said, what are you trying to do? What's going on in my heart right now? And how can I come alongside of that? If that's you, then I would encourage you to just come forward and get some prayer and say, I want to cooperate with what God's doing. Would you pray for me?